Welcome to A Savored Life, a podcast that inspires you to live a more fulfilled life with mindful writing, intuitive cooking, and creative inspiration. I'm Sumaya Osmani, your host, and I'm here to help you on the path to a slower, more savored life. Each episode is filled with creative expression, freeing our preconceived ideas that hold us back from fulfilling our true potential. And that begins with allowing ourselves to trust our instincts to achieve creative fulfillment. In this episode, we are joined by a guest who brings to us her personal experience of how the magic of tidying and making space enhances creativity and calm. Moniza Khan is the founder of Lotus Blue Book Art and is a self-taught bookbinder and artist from West Yorkshire, England. Her work is inspired by her Pakistani and English heritage and her love of photography and the romance of vintage textiles that she collects and finding beauty in ordinary moments and objects. Welcome, Moniza. Hi, Samaya. Hi. It's lovely to have you here on The Savoured Life. And I'm really interested in talking a little bit about your own journey to bookbinding, but more really about how your creativity has flourished through making space in your creative space as well as your home and generally how the magic of tidying really inspires a creative. So let's sort of start right at the beginning. I'd love to know a little bit about where you grew up, what your childhood was like and what inspires you to do what you do today. Well, I... um... I was born in England, but I actually grew up, uh, well, spent my my formative years in Karachi um, from, say, maybe the age of 10. And um, I always was surrounded by, you know, we had a lot of um, people in our family that were quite creative. All, All my aunties and cousins, they were always making something, you know, if it wasn't little paper dolls or fabric dolls from remnants left over by the family tailor or you know things like that and papier-mâché we were always making something and um, in fact my my khalas my aunties were um, the kind that you know were always creating opportunities to have like little creating parties so to speak (laughs) in fact I mean they're they're very similar in age to me well the the two younger ones they're more like my sisters than my aunties and um, they actually um, made this club we called it the young girls fan club (laughs) I I was obviously the youngest but um, they were like the leaders of the club and uh, their friends and myself, and we would, uh, you know, have these meetings once or twice a week. And um, it was, it used to take place in um, one of um, our neighbor's homes in their library. They have this amazing library. And uh, we would sit there and pretend we were like, you know, the famous five or, <laughs> do you remember those? The famous yes, five and I Se- do. secret seven. <laughs> so we were always creating something, you know, we had the, a little book club going on or, you know, some days we'd have a little jumble sale and um, it was just, you know, a different time. Yeah. So I think um, having been surrounded by 
creative minds most of my life, um, it was only natural for me to sort of feel like, you know, that was something I wanted to do with my life. And um, I mean, I, I never really thought that I could make a career out of it. It was always, you know, this is just something that you do for fun. It's not something that you can make a living out of. That's the way it was looked upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously um, things sort of, you know, progressed from there. I was always, whenever we would go to like um, my grandparents' uh, village, my, my father's parents in in northern Pakistan, it was a completely different lifestyle from going from Karachi to, you know, big city and then having the freedom of um, playing in fields and, you know, we used to make things like little mud clay pots out of the fields so um it was a really beautiful childhood and you know simple pleasures of making things yeah. from natural substances rather than shop-bought kits and all of that so it was yeah. using your imagination in a different way to what maybe children do today absolutely um but yeah it was um very early on I mean, we. I particularly remember when, uh, whenever we used to visit my uh, my grandfather's home, we all my cousins would get together, you know, for our holidays, and we would um, yeah, we would all be always be making something or the other. And one of the things I remember making a lot was was these little dolls, little fabric dolls, mm-hmm. and. Um, I would, you know, they would, <laughs> they would sometimes be made really fancy, like they were getting married. <laughs> and I would always make, I would always make my doll with a little roll of paper, just strung around its neck or something, just to make it look like a, a book or you yes. know, or a satchel or something like that. So. Um, and then, you know, I mean, my love of books and just uh, journaling and, you know, writing and keeping um, a sort of a scrapbook, that was quite early on. Um, in my teens, you know, whenever we used to come and visit England in the summer holidays, the first thing that I wanted to do was go to a stationery shop yeah. and buy little letter sets and, uh, you know, scented erasers and all of those kind of <laughs> I things. I used to do that. <laughs> Yeah. So um, I never really thought that, you know, I would um, pursue a career in bookbinding, but that kind of just sort of happened by accident. Um, You know, I was was traveling around a lot with my first job. I worked for um, a family run company in in Karachi that was sort of a gift shop. And um, the main sort of products that I was involved with was uh, hand block printed homewares like you know bed linen and um, table mats and it kind of evolved into creating stationery hand printed stationery so I began making little journals and wrapping paper and letter sets myself and then it started to become a thing for the shop and we started to outsource production 
and that you know had me traveling around India uh, all over sort of Pakistan, southern Pakistan and Nepal Bangladesh and you know South South uh, Asian countries and um, I think during that time I was I was sort of introduced to so many different kinds of uh, forms of handicrafts, you know, from weaving to pottery, glass making, all kinds of different things. And it really opened my eyes to the scope of what, you know, our hands can make. And uh, I've always loved photography. I've had a camera since I was 14 years old and begged my local photographer photographer's shop to teach me how to use it I would go over every day and you know say please show me how to use this camera and um, eventually they got fed up of me and gave me a roll of film and said right this is what you do and this is where you click and here's the settings you need to use take it away and come back the next day so that was my love of photography just sort of you know uh, fledgling at the time 14 years old but um, I kind of just you know went from thinking I was wanting to be a photographer when I grew up um, to becoming a bookbinder and that kind of happened because of photography whenever I'd be traveling around with work or just even you know at the weekends in Karachi I would love to just go into the bazaars and roam around the streets where most people wouldn't go um i would i would go there <laughs> and take take photos and then you know i'd want somewhere to put them and i could never find a photo album or a journal that i really liked so i started sort of making my own sort of makeshift by um you know upcycling a shop bought book mm-hmm. And then when that no longer served its purpose, I wanted to learn how to make my own from scratch. And this is, you know, pre-YouTube days. Mm -hmm. Now you can just hop on Mm -hmm. YouTube and learn how to do most things. But um, yeah, I just um, started to, you know, take books apart and look at the structure beneath the, the, you know, behind the spine and see how it was created or how the stitching was woven in and out of the signatures and one of my first books that I ever made or bound or should I say put together because it was literally just sort of put (laughs) together was um, I used a series of macrame knots Mm -hmm. you know yeah and um, you know obviously I don't have that book anymore because it fell apart (laughs) but um as the years sort of progressed, I learned more and more and, you know, just by trial and error. And um, fast forward to the early end of, say, the 90s, I moved to England. And um, I was actually, when I moved to England in, in 2000, back to England in 2001, I wasn't doing anything in, you know, creative-wise. I was working in a bank and um, every day I would go in and, you know, do my job, but daydream about what <laughs> I was going to do. Yeah, I can relate to that one. <laughs> yeah, you can. For seven years, I just sat at my desk, you know, filling in spreadsheets and working with numbers, thinking about, okay, maybe I could make soap 
maybe I could do <laughs> you know I went through everything yes, I, know that. <laughs> I never never ever thought that I could create a business out of book binding and it was only um when you know a few friends that were getting married had asked me if I would make them a guest book for their wedding so um I said yeah sure I can do that and so I did and the rest is history, history. or <laughs> yeah. her story. Her story, yeah. Um, yeah. That's brilliant. I mean, I love that. And and for, for listeners who don't know, Manisa and I have been friends for 35 years since, um, I think, middle yeah. school. So, uh, you know, we've yes. known each other way, way long and, and, and have seen each other's progression through different things. And um, it's brilliant that, you know, we're still friends and, and, and we can still talk about and creativity has sort of brought us together and now in, in the recent year. Uh, but I think what's really brilliant about this, this whole journey of yours is that there was this longing and need to create and uh, you mm. know that expressionism of it is is an interesting one because I suppose, you know, we have to find our home with our creativity and we want to try everything, exhaust every possibility out there. And Mm -hmm. when you finally find it, you know, you sit properly, you finally know you found your home and to find it is is a long and sometimes unsettling journey. And we have to do things we don't always want to do. But one Mm -hmm. of the things that I think, you know, I have seen just because I know you uh, is that you always, even when I was, you know, 13, 14, and I knew you, I always had this sense of real calm that came through you. You had this real, very calming energy. And and I think that you really bring that into your work. And also just looking at, if anyone looks at Moniza's Instagram, you'll know exactly what I mean. There's a real sense of obviously beauty, there's, there's no doubt, but there's real calmness in it. And there's real time and energy and slow uh, work in it. And you can really just see that from what you create. And even just binding a book really is a very slow process so Mm. one thing I really love to like now sort of shift your you know your creative energy and how how your when your life took a turn and you really made you know book binding a career fast forwarding many different steps and how you got there but when you really bring it to the fact that today you have a good thriving business which you know is created by your hands you have a studio in your home, obviously, and you create these beautiful things in your house. Now, bookbinding can be quite, there's lots of different things, lots of like physical things, paper, and then there's loads of other hundreds of things that go into it, <laughs> which can relatively yeah. make a massive mess. Yes, <laughs> and exactly. if you're anything like me, I make a huge mess when I'm photographing or when I'm cooking. And so I can only imagine you do the same when you photograph and when you bookbind. Hmm. I want to know how you've brought in this whole tidying. And I know you're very tidy now that as you work is, is this, where did you realize that you needed to surround yourself with beautiful, tidy, clean space to be able to create well? Um, Well, it kind of happened during a period of, you know, moving about a lot. I, we moved from, uh, Belfast, Northern Ireland, to England in 2016. And um, during that time, you know, having to put, pack up our whole house and, uh, you know, packing up a house is one thing, but packing up a, a house and a business is a totally different ball game. Um, at the time, I didn't really um, have the courage to 
you know, eliminate things from my studio while pack it, packing it up. But I did from the rest of the house. It was a real opportunity for me to, you know, go through all the possessions, furniture and everything um, and eliminate as much as I could possibly eliminate for two reasons. One was because we literally had a particular sized uh, a removal lorry that was going on a ferry and we could only fit so much into it and secondly because um, I just realized that you know um, I was at a point in my life where um, I was going through a difficult period and I wanted to feel like you know um, I uh, was only only had what I really needed in life and that would also be um, something that my family could you know use or maybe pass on um if I was no longer here um I think there was an urgency <clears throat> there was a need a real deep need for me to um declutter my home life and possessions mostly because I wanted to um know that if if I was no longer to be here um it would be easier for my loved ones to uh, you know, get rid of my stuff, basically. I didn't want that to be left to them. So that was one of the main uh, reasons that I found it a necessity more than anything else. And um, I'd actually read, you know, a few blog posts on um, minimalism and and all of that sort of thing. Now, I I'm not a minimalist <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but there is a, I think that for a person like myself, uh, as I get older, I, I feel a deep need to create space in my, not just my mind, but just my surroundings as well. And I think that, um, for people like like myself and you, Samaya, you know, we can find a happy medium yeah. between minimalism and, you know, hoarding. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I wouldn't say that I've ever been a hoarder as such of all things that, you know, that have no meaning to me. If I have held on to things, it's because they hold a lot of meaning. So, um you know, I, I made sure that I got rid of things that no longer served a purpose um, or was just hanging like, you know, a bad energy in the house and I would get rid of it. And um, as far as my studio space goes, in the last five years, we've moved three times and uh, each time I, um, you know, just kind of dumped everything in the studio and made it look pretty on the surface and even now you know there is room for organization and um, some elimination as well so that is actually something I'm going to be doing next month you know we were talking about this just yesterday Um, so it's it's going to be difficult because it's going to be something that I will find myself saying, no, I don't want to get rid of this. But then, you know, but it's been sitting around for so long and, you know, get rid of it. So, um, you know, I am going to be applying the, um, that whole spark joy con Marie method to everything that I do. But, um, 
you know, there's going to be a little bit of leniency with it. Yes, I think you have to be quite strict. And I'm saying this while I'm surrounded by papers because I'm in my third Mm. category, which is uh, tidying um, the papers away, which is (laughs) not easy. (laughs) I know, I know. I mean, also, other than um, actual physical objects, you know, keeping what sparks joy and then, Mm -hmm. you know, getting rid of what doesn't and keeping sentimental objects and all of that, the other side of, um, well, for my business side of uh, things is uh, the digital side. You know, there's a lot of digital fatigue uh, other than objects. So I think um, applying it to the digital side of my life is something I'm actually kind of looking forward to as well but not yeah I know (laughs) but I'm just just trying to focus on you know um when you're going through through that kind of clearing out phase you have to kind of focus on the end result you know how you feel once it's all done and dusted with and then you can just sit in your calm (laughs) space I mean in my studio on the surface of it it looks really pretty and calm and you know it seems like there's an area for everything but I know deep down inside that it takes me about 20 minutes to find something in a drawer and that's too long you know it shouldn't take me that long to remember where something is. <laughs> yes. So when when you know exactly. when you know that you know something's taking so much time to just look for things, uh, or say even just getting dressed in the morning. I mean, uh, about three years ago, I started um, creating a capsule wardrobe, mm. which really freed up so much of my time yeah. in the morning, just getting ready, um, and. Um, you know, I would, uh, I haven't really got it down to the whole 33 items. Yeah. I couldn't do that. But, you know, it's a lot better. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I can, I know exactly what's in my wardrobe. I know exactly, I've got like three pairs of shoes, a pair of trainers, yeah. <laughs> you know, something for summer and something for winter, a pair of boots. So it's the, those sort of things, you know, just make you feel good because you know that, okay, that's what's in my wardrobe yeah. and you know exactly when you when you need something new or when you you know you you're like say if you're shopping you know that you kind of I don't know about you but I'll tend to pick up something and then I'll think "Mm, no I don't really need that as much as I love it and then you put it back well if there's someone who that's something you have really taught me to embrace because I was always a shopaholic and I was definitely you know finding that I was buying things just for the sake of because I liked them not because I needed them and I've stopped Mm. and this whole year I've actually bought nothing to wear like nothing I literally started my wardrobe the capsule wardrobe end of last year and and now I've just been wearing things and actually forgotten things that I had and I think it's you know it's the same thing with with making that space in your head because when you look inside a cupboard you see so many things the overwhelm is so suffocating and you just walk away I know and then and and the funny thing about it this this suffocation that you feel and the overwhelm you feel with you know holding on to too much is that it seeps its Mm. way into your creative energy it seeps its way into your you know the thing that gives you life which is for you book binding and and obviously creating and for me Mm. writing I find that there's such a blockage that's created by things things yeah especially you know if there's if if you have things that don't uh, you know bring you joy what is the point in having them then you know you're just it's just a 
um, another object. And and I, I do believe that objects, have, inanimate objects have, you know, an energy yeah, and a, energy that um, permeates into everything else that you do as well. So, you know, for instance, if I, if I can now open my wardrobe and just, I know exactly what I'm going to just pick out. I have like three or four things that I can choose from on that given day and I get dressed and then I'm down. I haven't wasted that time, just, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour, just getting ready. Um, So I can use that time then for something more important, which, you know, could be maybe going for a walk with my dog or Mm. um, doing a little bit of stretching in the morning, having a nice relaxed breakfast and, you know, just maybe sitting in the studio with a cup of coffee and then thinking about what I need to do, even if it's just for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. So, um, and then just that sort of sets you up for the day. I mean, I'm not, it's not, you know, perfect. I still have days where I get overwhelmed (laughs) and I feel um, like, you know, it's all too much. But I think that's why it's so important to try and find little pockets and little corners in your space, wherever that, your creative space, wherever that might be, yeah. whether it's your kitchen table or an entire room. Um, you know, I mean, although my studio is quite full, I do have one corner, uh, which is where my writing desk is, um, that is quite, um, you know, uh, free of color and mostly free of objects most days and I can sit here when I'm feeling overwhelmed with the rest of the the work that is sprawled out yeah. all over the studio um, and you know the studio kind of goes through periods as well where it's really very calm and tidy and then I have a collection and then I'm doing shipping and packaging and then it goes chaotic again so um, now what I need to do I've realized is that I have to create a dedicated um, packing and shipping area so that I'm not constantly moving things about so that's my um, that's my next task for for April I'm going to be working on but it's really important to, you know, try and carve out some time. I think we always feel like we don't have the time yeah. to tidy up or we don't have the time to uh, declutter and we don't have the time because we're constantly um, busy doing other things. And when you're constantly busy and feeling overwhelmed in your space and you feel like you don't have the time because you're just kind of shuffling yes. things about all the time. You know, I've, I've felt like that, oh, I'll just move things from this corner to that corner and this pile of books will end up there. Yep. And then a week later, it'll move to another place, <laughs> so, you know. So um, I think um, being able to learn how to tidy up once and for all is, uh, is, is important so that you're not spending time just constantly feeling overwhelmed and thinking about doing it exactly Um, it's difficult when you start but once it gets done it's it's can be the most freeing thing you're so right and i think that one of this is a very true point that you've made we keep putting aside uh we always say we've got other things to do but again finding such intense overwhelm while we're doing them because there are things everywhere and you know like you said i i'm guilty of that i keep moving stuff from one section to another saying oh it'll be fine i'll just shove it there for now and deal with it later but what it's doing is it's still there nagging at the back of my head it's lying there it's you know taking up space it doesn't need to and and then i think my 
I have noticed that my creative energy has increased and I now got like this whole week I've taken off just to tidy and just to clear space. And, and you know, one of the things I really wanted to ask you is that for you, how have you felt that creating that space and whenever you have created that space has helped your creativity? Has it in any way impacted the way that you create? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, if I if I walk into my studio the day day after I have you know sort of given it a good tidy up the night before, what I'll usually do is I'll um, most people clean. I'm kind of backtracking mm-hmm. here, but most most people most people clean or you know do their bits of cleaning around the house in the morning. I actually do it at night. I like to sweep the floors, mop the floors, dust and tidy up before I go to bed. And it gives me a moment to, you know, sort of reflect on the day um, and also think about what I want to do the next day. And while I'm doing that, I can also, you know, get my work set out for the next day. So then when I come down into the studio in the morning, it's it's nice and calm, it's clean, it smells good, you know, I'm not having to hoover up first thing in the morning and those kind of, you know, activities or domesticate domestication yeah. <laughs> that we have to go through. I'm not having to do that first thing when I wake up. And I mean, I, I've worked the whole nine to five desk job and, you know, uh, what it's like getting ready quickly and yeah. rushing out to catch a train or a bus in the morning and leaving the house at 7 a.m., trying to feed the dog and get the kids off to school. Yeah. And, you know, I've done all of that for years. And now I'm at a point in my life where, you know, I have um, I'm working from home and I get to create my day around or design my day around how I want to feel yeah and it's really important for for me to to do that at night time because in the mornings I I have to take about three hours before (laughs) I can feel human to you know come into my studio and actually work so um it's really important for me to get that feeling um and also to kind of set the tone for my day the next day, you know, coming into a new creative space or a tidy creative space and feeling like I'm ready for the day. It just, you know, creates such a, um, a much more motivated um, experience yeah, definitely for you as well. Yeah, for sure. And, and just to sort of bring this to... Uh, a close I just want to ask you a couple of things that you could give us some advice on now what would be your if someone is looking to really tidy their creative space what would be your sort of key tips to look at to think of before you start an endeavor that daunting well I think um, I mean the main reason it makes us feel you know a bit overwhelmed and we'll constantly put put these kind of things off or decluttering put it off for another day is because it can become overwhelming when you begin um so I would just say you know you just need to pick one corner or one area one room it doesn't even have to be an entire room it could just be a drawer you know give yourself a day or an afternoon to just sort out one area 
Um, I mean, when I first began this whole decluttering and making sure that, you know, I only had possessions in my home that I really like and want to hang on to, I just literally started by clearing out drawers because, you know, and I am actually a firm believer that the less drawers you have in your yeah, home, agreed, <laughs> the, the less clutter yeah. you will accumulate because drawers just seem to be a magnet yep. for clutter. Yep. I'm not a huge fan of drawers around the house. In the studio, it's a different yeah. scenario because, you know, I need them for all the materials and supplies. But yeah, I mean, I would just begin with one corner, one room or one drawer, if that's all you can manage. And then, you know, maybe allocate um, even just a morning, one weekend to to do that. It doesn't have to be, you know, scattered throughout the the week. I think if you, if, you know, if you gave yourself that time, allocated that time as um, even, you know, I mean, the, the buzzword these days is self-care, isn't yeah. it? It is a way of self-care. Because once you've done it and it's all nice and clean and tidy and you know exactly what is in your drawer and where to find um, said object, yeah. then, um, you know, you have more time in yeah. your your life Absolutely. and just everyday moments. Absolutely. No, you're so right. And I'm going to be getting back to my decluttering after we finish speaking. So, yes, that's great. great. Good, good stuff to start. I can't wait. I cannot wait for... Um, my uh, whole operation studio yeah. uh, decluttering, which is going to begin next month, Excellent. is going to be really, really hard, but um, I need to do it. And I mean, you know, it's going to be one of those things where um, I'll definitely have more moments where I'm um, wanting to hold on to things than getting letting go of them. But it also teaches you how to let it go does. as well. It does. Know. And I've always had a problem letting go. And I, I've now realized, you know, by what you're saying, I've really started to like only hold on to things that bring me joy. And I'm looking at things and they're like, well, this means nothing to me. And it's making me feel nothing, but it's there because I'm used to it. And that is not mm. enough, you know, and and that's the re how we land up. You know, one item becomes 10 items and we hold on to things that are just there because we're used to them mm. and they don't bring anything yeah. into your life um, that is of any positive uh, that has any positive force so that's a really good thing and then one thing I want to finish off with is asking you I know this is a little bit off the topic but I think that it's really important when we think about tidying and when I naturally I love color and for me um, the first thing I've realized is that the less obstructive color you have around you uh, gives you that sense of space and really lets your creative energy flow better do you agree with that and if you do what are the sort of colors you feel that open up your mind to more space and just generally a better flow of energy well um i've never been a huge fan of too too many different colors uh say for instance on the walls of our home i mean i have been through phases where you know i might have had a feature wall or something like that uh, in our living room um, but you know I feel that because especially I'll take my studio for instance there I have so many colorful things you know from my vintage textiles to all the threads I have and then the books are quite colorful themselves and everything that to do with my work is is quite colorful so I think just the the walls and other furniture and surround the things that are around me um, need to be quite neutral to sort of you know offset all the color I think when you have too many 
colors that are not in harmony with each other it can be really um, can it can have an overwhelming effect on on your on us as creative people without us realizing it and also I mean uh, having a lot of color can be amazing as well if it's done properly you know and it also depends on the type of person you are you know if you're really energetic and um you know per type of person that enjoys that kind of space that is really vibrant and colorful um then great but if it if you find that all of the color around you is not adding to any kind of peace and harmony in your life then I would recommend maybe eliminating some of the colors around you you know creating some kind of color harmony and we I mean I'm no interior designer <laughs> and I have no no knowledge whatsoever about color harmony but you know I know what I like and I know what makes me feel calm yeah. and um you know um when I'm looking at uh, interiors, it's it's all quite you know the 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 more neutral the interior, the calmer it makes me feel. So um, objects are different. You know they can be placed in in say you know groups that maybe add a little bit of um, color to your day, and then you know you can change them about. But I think on um, as a a um, a sort of surface for, to create that kind of calming environment neutral colors you just can't go wrong Absolutely. with them because you can always add more colors to it yeah. you know but i think ultimately it all depends on your personality doesn't it, does, it? and if yeah. you if you can if we can just sort of um, sit in a space that is maybe making us feel overwhelmed and just sit in it quietly for 20 minutes and think about what it is about that space that is making us feel um, a bit, you know, off. It could be the colour, it could be the furniture placement, it could be anything really. And, um, you know, like I was saying to you just uh, the other day while we were chatting about painting, yeah. you know, that um just redecorating a space can be as good as a holiday yeah. you know that there's that saying that you know you can feel as refreshed by um not having to spend hundreds or thousands of pounds you can do it within an afternoon yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to cost a lot of money exactly. in fact you could make money by decluttering and selling some exactly. of your stuff no 100 <laughs> percent. no that's really great and and yeah i mean this is it i mean you just have to you just have to realize the positivity it brings into your life. But that's brilliant. Thank you so much, Moniza. And Moniza, what's what's happening with you right now? What's next for you? What are you working on at the moment? Well, I was planning on actually taking the last two weeks of March off to begin my studio decluttering operation. <laughs> but, but I've decided not to. Um, I've decided to complete a collection that I've been kind of working on on and off since last summer. Um, so I have that launching hopefully at the end of this month, but don't quote me on that because <laughs> I'm known, known to change dates for launches. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping to get that finished. Uh, it's called Postcards from Italy and uh, it's all based on my photography and uh, just, you know, all the pictures that I've taken over the years of doors and close-ups of walls and what have oh, you. Lovely. Um, 
So that's going to be fun. And then once I've done that, I'm going to be taking a month long sabbatical oh, just brilliant. to redesign the studio and, um, and just have some, you know, me time, which I'm really looking forward to. Sounds brilliant. Well, if that is really wonderful. And thank you so much for joining me today, Moniza, on A Savoured Life. It was wonderful speaking to you as always. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And I shall speak to you soon. Yeah. Um, and if you guys want to follow Moniza, her lovely links to her website and her Instagram will be below the podcast notes. So have a look at that. If you're looking to find a way to really harness your creative energy intuitively, my monthly membership savored launches late this spring. Hopefully, <laughs> like Manisa said, I'm not always great on times either, but we're hoping later this spring. This will be a space to find a community and a sanctuary of calm and authenticity. We'll cover things like mindful writing, living, cooking, journaling, and generally just supporting each other to find our creative voices together. Savored is not going to just be about what's in the kitchen and on your table, but it's about writing, intuitive voice and encouraging your own personal growth. The waitlist link is below and I'd love you to sign up. Finally, I'd love it if you could rate and review this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed it. And this really helps it reach to those who may benefit from it. So until next time, thank you so much for listening to A Savored Life with me, Sumaya. Choose a slower life choose a savored life.